Okay, I think the way we normally do our intro, where you say, welcome back to Raising Helmix, and then you say nothing, is awkward. Usually you say, welcome back to Raising Helmix, and I'm like, I'm Carrie, and you're like, and I'm Kyle. Whereas normally, whoever introduces the podcast says, welcome back to Raising Helmix, I'm Kyle, and then I can jump in, instead of like, dead air, everybody, here's your welcome. And then I edit out the dead air. So it's not actually dead air. It sounds very good. Well, yeah, and then it makes it sound like I'm jumping in right away. You're like, welcome back to Raising Helmets. And I'm Carrie Helmick. All right. So. Welcome back to the Raising Helmets podcast. Oh, my God, you're doing it again. <laughs> <clears throat> welcome back to the Raising Helmets podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Carrie. And I'm the other one, Kyle. Today is Joseph's first birthday. And we're very excited because... It means we've survived a year of having two kids. High five. A whole year with two children. So Kyle just pointed out that uh, not that long ago, the ages of our children totaled what? Two. Two? Yesterday, (laughs) the ages of our children totaled two. Oh, okay. I I didn't think through the math myself. (laughs) I just assumed that it was correct. (laughs) And in two and a half months, the total ages of our children will be four. And that is the only time that will happen to us? Where it will double? The last time it will happen to us? Assuming, yeah. Because at some point it went from one to two. And so, and then, it'll, but it'll never go from four to, or... Four to eight? Four to eight, Unless yeah. we suddenly, like, like, have adopt, like, one-year-old <laughs> quadruplets. Right. <laughs> well, that might happen, but excluding that possibility... Um, and I think that reflects that having two kids that young is actually really hard. And uh, It's been a hard year. Yeah, it's been a lot. <laughs> Nobody told me having kids would be hard. I know. At least everybody who said it was clearly bad at having at parenting. No, this is a and bit I do. I like to pretend that nobody, nobody says it because everyone says having kids is hard and you don't even believe them until you're having it and you're like, wow. Right. So true. But my thing is that I just assume anybody who says something is difficult is bad at it. Ever since everybody told me the LSAT was hard. Shoo! <laughs> anyway, we're feeling a little invincible now because can't can't beat us after we went through this. Well, now that we have... A one-year-old as our youngest and a sit-to-stand stroller, we can literally do anything. Right. Yeah, we, um, on Craigslist, you can basically find anything on Craigslist in You can DC. if you're you. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but literally you will decide that you want something and then you will find the perfect version of it on Craigslist. It's really true. I'll be thinking, like, for a matter of months, it would be nice to have X. And then the one night that I'm, like, staying up till midnight and having insomnia or something like that, and I finally decide to wander around Craigslist and see if anybody's offering anything good, that will be when the exact perfect thing in the perfect location at the perfect price is listed. Yeah. I try that sometimes, and I just find clearly (laughs) scamming things. It's a gift. Well, what kind of stuff are you looking for? Oh, I haven't been on Craigslist in forever. Mm. I don't know. Well, I have... So, my list of, of, like, accomplishments... My, my spoils are this dining table where we're sitting that's mm-hmm. been really good. Uh, seat six could seat eight or more easily. Okay. Um, the sit to stand stroller, an ergo baby carrier, definitely some other stuff too. Oh, some yeah. sheepskin rugs. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. The next thing on my list is a balance bike. I figure there's got to be someone in the area who's ready to pass on a balance bike. <laughs> you may be thinking, aren't all bikes balance bikes? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those little ones. There's, um, it's, it's a bike frame, but in miniature and with no pedals. Or pedaling right. mechanism or gears or anything like that. So the kid just kind of pushes himself along. Yeah, it's kind of like a hybrid between a scooter and a bike, I guess. Yeah. But the idea is that it gets them used to the, the balancing motion of the bike. And then when they're ready to lift up their feet and coast, then they're basically ready to start pedaling. Right. And I heard, I think you said somebody you know has a kid who's 18 months and knows how to use the thing. I mean, that's kind of anecdotal where, like, the older sibling will have it and then the 18-month-old will, like, try it. And if they're an extraordinarily athletic 18-month-old, I have heard that they've managed to work these balance bikes, which is kind of crazy because Joseph is still working on, like, not falling over while standing <laughs> up. But it's a big it's a big six months. He'll get there. Yeah. That's one of the things I want to mention, too, is having a second child is entirely different from having a first child because you aren't raising the second child you're just basically using your first child to teach the second child things right like Rory taught Joseph sign language Rory taught Joseph to go through the tunnel and not be scared Rory taught Joseph to sit still at mass Mm -hmm. Rory taught Joseph to scream whenever he's upset, mm -hmm. right? Like everything Joseph does is <laughs> the because good and the bad. Around. Exactly. Yeah, Joseph. Def I mean, he definitely relies on us for. Actually, that's not true. I was gonna say he relies on us for emotional comfort, but that is not true. No, he does look to Rory. There was one time where he got hurt, and he looked over at me, who was the only other person in the room, and started crying and crawled to the other room where he knew Rory was. Yeah. So. You don't you know. raise your second kid. That's all it is. <laughs> Maybe you, not when they're that close. And... Which is, what's crazy about it is, is that, like, how well you raise your first kid determines all of the rest of the kids, apparently. Yeah, and you don't know what you're doing and on you your first kid. you don't know what kid. you're doing. You think you know what you're doing on your first kid, but really you do not. And then when you hit your second kid, you're like, oh, I have maybe made a mistake or two, but it's too late because it's going to be ingrained in all the rest. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, we're just going to coast. Another 30 years or so. and Yeah. They're doing okay. That'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Rory basically potty trained. He can teach Joseph that. Yeah. The last thing to do is like help them apply to colleges, I guess. Not even. There won't be colleges in 15 years. Mm. I told this to my coworker once. <laughs> and I do that thing where I say something like that and I say it with a straight face and people by now have figured out I'm mostly being not serious. <laughs> my coworkers have not figured that out. And so she's just like, Really? Tell me more. And I was like, well, you know how colleges are bad and operating on a giant bubble? And then I, like, didn't know where to go from there. So <laughs> it's all, a scam. All my coworkers think I'm a radical trying to bring down the academic system. That's great. Yeah. All my coworkers think I am a radical trying to reframe the education system from the inside out. And they're right. Yeah. I think they're both right, actually. everyone who works in my preschool is like that. So anyway, that's, that's how the kids are the same. How they are different is that Joseph is a roving barbarian. Yeah, I know we talked about this on a recent podcast, yeah, but it's but just become ever more clear. <laughs> we took him to the pool, um, and he basically just shouted and splashed wildly for like Threw an hour. Playground ball around and just, yeah, he just pummeled nuts. that water. Yeah, yeah, like he clearly has a purpose, and the purpose is just to go wild. 
Yeah, it, he's wonderful. He's he's doing so good. He can stand pretty solidly now. He's taken like one step and he'll plant his foot and then he'll like bend down again or fall over. Yeah. So I wouldn't say walking yet. Um, he has said a few words. He's said mama and daddy, although they're kind of mantras for him. Like da, 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 da means I'm sort of silly and playful and mom, 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 mom means I need something. Yeah, so he's also like clearly shouted mommy from the other room. He, he wanted you. I, yeah, I guess so. But then he's also definitely said ball and um, some sort of like da for dog. Yeah. That, yeah, da da or dadis for doggies. Um, nana for banana. Yep, definitely said that. And he's used more and all done in sign language. So that counts as words too. Yeah, literally we were like, how are we going to teach Rory sign, or Joseph sign language? And then I just sat Rory down with some food in front of Joseph. And had Rory do more. Yeah. And Joey instantly went, oh, why didn't you just tell me? Started doing it. So, yeah. We had fun today. Rory is literally dying with with the <laughs> eagerness for his own birthday, which is two months away. And has been talking nonstop about birthday parties. In fact, today I was like, it's Joseph's birthday. We're going to have cake later. Joseph's going to open a present later. And then he came and sat down next to me and he's like, and tonight, it'll be my Easter. <laughs> <laughs> We're working so, on it. He, but, do, he doesn't know the order of birthdays, though. He said it'll be JoJo's, and then yours, and then mine, and then mommy's. Yeah, because so. I told him the other day. Um, easier for little kids to tell time by birthdays, I think. Because like, you can be like, no, your birthday's not until October. And he's like, when is that? Like, two hours from now? <laughs> yeah. But he had a lot of fun. He helped me put sprinkles on Joseph's little smash cake, and he was so excited to eat it. Barely barely could eat his dinner. It was a good time. We'll put a picture of them or something on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So that, that's the boys. They're wonderful. Yeah. We've been keeping busy. Last episode was sometime in mid-July, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a couple priests over. Oh, yeah. Father Shrapa and Father Harrison. You might know them as the hosts of the Clerically Speaking podcast. Easily one of my 50 favorite podcasts. Mm-hmm. And they were a lot of fun. That was great. We kept, they uh, they were bantering so much at the table, we kept being like, this should be on a podcast. Yeah, that's what... <laughs> Feels weird having it in our own house instead of in our ears. Father, Father Anthony said, a podcast that you don't record is just having friends <laughs> something like that yeah friendship it was so good i was just like doubled over laughing they're, yeah they're they were really funny yeah. and then they concelerated a mass in our living room which was pretty great absolutely incredible yeah although um they both said it was the first time they had concelebrated a mass right. in the home mm-hmm. which means that's not as, as to have common. two priests celebrate a mass at the same time right together out loud, really fast, racing to see who can finish first. <laughs> Not really. We learned Father um, Father Anthony doesn't eat his vegetables. Oh, yeah. So I, I DM'd them beforehand and was like, hey, I don't know what I'm cooking yet. So, like, now's your time to say anything that you like or don't like. And Father Anthony said, I don't eat vegetables. And I was like, gosh, Kyle, everything that I think I want to make, like, has vegetables. And he, Kyle was like, I'm sure he was just joking. And so I made um, pork banh mi with pickled veggies to go on it because that sounded amazing to me. 
got a craving or something. And um, uh, sure enough, Father Anthony did not touch the vegetables, and I felt pretty bad about that because not long after, an episode of the Spicy Eggs podcast, which he also hosts, came out in which he said he just does not like the texture of vegetables. And in this house, we understand textural issues. We've got a couple of them ourselves. I can't remember who talked about that on the podcast or not. And so I felt bad for him being like, I don't like vegetables. And then we were like, well, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Here's vegetables. So next time we're just going to make him a pepperoni pizza. It'll be good. Yeah, probably. Good idea. You make, you know how to make pizza crust now. That's good. Mm-hmm. Sourdough pizza crust. I continue to learn fancy bread tricks. Oh, babe. Tomato sauce is made with vegetables. <laughs> oh, no. I don't think... I think he falls into the tomato sauce is ketchup is is a fruit. Yeah. That's We use ketchup on our pizza here, actually. Yeah, as far as, as, far as Father Anthony needs to know. Um, we do not do that. We had Peter and Elena over. Oh, yeah. Like four times in a week because they were in town. Yeah. Um, Peter's been on this podcast before. Yeah. We talked about cheesecake, and so then we went and we got cheesecake on National Cheesecake Day. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Uh, what else have we been up to? We played a lot of board games with them. Uh-huh. Yep. We beat Pandemic. Yeah, that was good. And that's most of what we've been up yeah. to. Yeah. I've got some, some news. Here's a docket okay. item for you. The panda, at the giant panda at the Smithsonian Zoo might be pregnant. Might be pregnant. Might be pregnant. So she started to show some signs. She's like staying inside more and sleeping more. She's had a spike of progesterone. Um, But I guess giant pandas in captivity are known to have false pregnancies sometimes. So it kind of gets everybody's hopes up. The problem, I know this all from a Washington Post article I read about three seconds ago. But it... Apparently, pandas can only get pregnant for, like, a matter of hours once a year. So you really got to shoot your shot, which a panda in China did by artificial means. Right. But it's okay because they're pandas, I guess. Anyway, she's also licking her paws and cradling toys, two more signs she could be pregnant. I'm quoting from the article now. An official said she has also started building a small nest of shredded bamboo in her den and adds to it at night. So I thought that was kind of sweet and exciting. I was just at the panda house, which is closed now to give her some quiet because apparently they get sensitive to noise when they're pregnant. Interesting. Yeah. So I walked through there. They were kind of sleeping tucked away in corners and stuff, so the boys couldn't see anything from the stroller. So I I just kind of looked over the crowd a little bit and then then went on through. But it's very cool. So that'll be super exciting if she's pregnant. I have two thoughts. And my first is that this reveals that we apparently do not have surefire pregnancy tests for pandas. Well, okay, so they've been doing ultrasounds on her and haven't seen anything yet. But also, pandas are large. Right. And panda embryos are very small. They're even born, like, really tiny. Right, yeah. Um, like, super tiny. Second, I Terrifyingly think what, tiny. I think what the false alarm thing is referring to is that I think some pandas, some kind of animal, will pretend to be pregnant in captivity because they've learned that that gives them certain perks that they do not mm. otherwise get. Maybe. That sounds more yeah. like a monkey thing. Maybe. I don't know. I'll try well, to find it. I mean, so that she couldn't 
have faked the spike in progesterone, I don't think. That, I mean, That's fair it's point. fairly well known that breeding pandas in captivity is like really, really, really hard. Right. So they... I hear breeding pandas outside of captivity is really hard. Just like they're really bad at it. Yeah. But... Don't see much point to it, I guess. Who am I to judge? <laughs> okay. Did you hear about the In-N-Out Burger guy in New York? I did not. Tell me about the In-N-Out Burger guy in New York. Wait, in New York? Yeah, right? <laughs> so this dude, I can't, you must have heard of this, you'll remember. This dude found this perfectly pristine burger sitting on the sidewalk in some, like, Queens or something. No. You didn't hear about this? No. Okay. So that's most of the story. An In-N-Out Burger? Yes. On the sidewalk? Yes. In, like, perfect condition. What? Did it How have the wrapper on it? Yeah, yeah. It what? just like looked like somebody had set down their burger, their In N Out burger, um, in the wrapper. This is the most up. incredible piece of performance art I've ever heard right. or will hear in my lifetime. This is what everybody was saying when the dude released the story because this guy is in advertising. Mm-hmm. And so it seemed like it was obviously at first some people were like, This is some sort of in and out paid stunt and then everybody else right. was it's like incredibly dumb. Right. In N Out doesn't even have it. Twitter officially. Yeah, no, so, this is not at all the kind of stunt In and Out would pull. If In and Out were to pull a stunt, right? They would be like, they would be <laughs> like, and Ron Paul likes our burgers, and then that would be the extent of it. <laughs> that does sound weirdly <laughs> like something In and Out would do. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's why I said it. Anyway, so this dude is like clearly doing self promotion and stuff, right? And then he releases a very very long update after everybody doesn't believe him that shows this gal admitting that she was the one who placed the burger there. And what happened was she took off from San Diego on a red eye and got in and out right before the flight, asked for it without spread, right? Got four of them, I think intending to give them to her friends back in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, flew straight to New York, woke up at like, or landed at like five, and then was running to catch her bus. And the bag opened up on her from the bottom because it was all greasy after being in an airplane all night. Mm -hmm. And she, using her ninja skills, grabs three of them out of the bottom of the bag and doesn't notice the fourth and just keeps running and then gets to the bus Hmm. and then counts her burgers and then realizes (laughs) she only has three In-N-Out burgers and has to catch her bus. (laughs) Before they're unwrapped. So he includes a bunch of screenshots of all of this, but she's a fairly private person on lock on Instagram. Do we believe this guy based on this? Hmm. Sounds too good to be true, right? It does seem like a sort of perfectly crafted story, but it also seems like the only plausible story. Like, if it was going to happen, that's how it would happen. Mm-hmm. It, it does make perfect sense. Rather than, like, you know, it being dropped from a private airplane flying over New York or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it is the solution that would be most plausible. I mean, we've talked about this multiple times. This has kind of given me, giving me like courage. Like, you know, maybe it is possible. Get a couple packs of spread. Maybe have a, a cooler, with you or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, our beautiful, beautiful friend Zach Mabry managed to take In and Out Burgers to the airport where his friend and our friend Caitlin had a layover in Texas. Well, he literally like. Was in a city where they sell in and out and yeah, dropped them it off was at the easier. airport. Yeah, but he still had to like go through. I don't know how he got them to him, but well, that's amazing. I can't believe I didn't see that story. Mm-hmm. 
anyway, I, I have a new segment for us, which is um, Raising Helmix History, maybe? In which we discuss the things that we were discussing last year on the podcast. And Wow, so we're the, we are our own fan podcast. Exactly. A year ago this month, we were considering getting rid of Amazon. Mm, so much for that. Right. But it's now been a year, mm-hmm. and we are going to do it this time. Yeah. Or at least, like, have it a couple of months out of the year, mm-hmm. and then cancel it for the rest of the year. Because we did the math, and if you have it for only nine months of the year, you are not losing money based mm-hmm. on the discount. And it seems like... Which we can do easily. I mean, there's a couple of things we buy in bulk there, like specifically diaper wipes, which we can just, you know, put in an order for. Mm-hmm. every other month or every third month and then yeah I mean it's it's pretty convenient if there's like something from a specialty store that you need but we'll try it and and see yeah we're gonna give it a shot because we're getting tired of subscribing to people we don't like right but first we have to finish pushing daisies which is yes. like the best tv show I've ever seen right it is amazing it was canceled after two seasons in like 2007 or something Mm-hmm. And it was a truly beautiful show. It's like Psych, but it aged well. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I object both to the Psych not aging well and also to the Pushing Daisies aging well. I am really enjoying it. It is amazing. It is a truly beautiful show. Um, it's it's very quirky. It's like mm-hmm. it's like if a manic pixie dream show was actually good and goth at the same time. Manic, it is pretty goth. Manic yeah, pixie dream goth. Man, yes. So anyway, it's on Amazon, and you should all watch it and then cancel Amazon. Give Pushing Daisies a spike in views so they can reunite. You should also maybe watch Good Omens, mostly because David Tennant is in it. You know, someone actually asked us recently, uh, someone who's an atheist was like, so what did like religious people think? Because I loved Good Omens, but I thought, would religious people even like this? And a whole bunch of Christians petitioned Netflix to cancel it. <laughs> That's what's really funny, because it's an Amazon original show. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, I feel like it, like, like I feel about The Good Place. You know, it's not supposed to be positing any real ideas about religion. It's just putting some ideas about the world out, just like any other show. That, and and I, it's, it's facetious enough that I don't think you even need to be offended by it. And the thing about the guys who wrote the book, especially Pratchett, is that he poked fun at religion pretty regularly, but also was an atheist who poked fun at atheism pretty regularly. Like, he was just a guy who poked fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, I am i can't actually objectively rate the show because I was pretty much just watching it for Tenet. Yeah. But I thought it was good. Yeah, it was fun. And I don't think it gets sacrilegious. It, it doesn't choose... Yeah. I guess they had a female voice. That was not... As a narrator I was thinking of God. Of. No? No. There were a couple times where I'm just like, uh, okay, so those are actual real people who we think are important historical figures who are kind of being slandered a little bit. Like, I get if mm -hmm. it makes you feel uncomfortable um, for reasons other than they had God as a woman, which is relatively minor. So watch those two shows, purchase a bunch of diaper wipes, and then cancel Amazon. Cancel Amazon. We can all do it together. And then then when The Crown comes back, renew... Netflix for a month, and then cancel mm-hmm. Netflix, and then when Doctor Who's on HBO, do HBO for a month, and then when you feel like 30 Rock, do Hulu for a month, 
I thought we were just going to do our local library for 30 Rock. Yeah, we are. I'm just thinking angrily about how all my favorite shows are on different networks now. Yeah, it's pretty annoying. Kind of makes you want to go back to the whole owning DVDs thing. Yep. Of which we own maybe five. <laughs> you know we own Firefly, speaking of TV shows. Oh, wait, we own way more than five because somebody right? gave us that big paper bag of random DVDs. Yes, which are all movies I plan on watching because I picked them out in particular. Okay, they're but, taking up a lot of storage space. Yeah, I have been slowly watching Firefly over the past, like, five years. Two episodes at a time. You know what? I'll look on Craigslist for one of those big things that stores discs in it. I think they call like those... a big book. I think those, they call those the library. <laughs> 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 Which is how we watch most of our stuff. Right, but if we're going to keep all these DVDs around, I don't want to hang on to the plastic cases. That's true. Take up space. I should just donate them all to the library and then borrow them. Anyway, we are library stands. I watched like a home redo uh, episode of a show on YouTube one time. And like part of what was making someone's living room just look super ugly was that the dad insisted on displaying his like 50 million DVD collection in the living room. And it was really funny to me how tactful this YouTube um, interior designer was. Because she came up to the dad in her like super super peppy, like, girly persona. And she's like, so I have a special project for you, Dad. Here is a book where you can keep all your DVDs, and I'm going to let you have this whole collection to yourself right now so that you can organize them just like you want to. Sorry, like, you said a book? Yeah, so it's like a big... It's like a big oh, book, yeah. but with slots yeah, where right. the discs go in, so it takes up way yeah. less space than a whole... But plus, a shelf of DVDs is just like the ugliest piece of home decor imaginable. Yeah. Um, and so it was really funny because she got him... She worked him down in the name of like a DIY home organization project that was like specially centered around him and his precious DVD collection when actually it was just like, okay, now nobody has to look at them anymore. That's amazing. Yeah. Did you see the picture of the bookshelf that was entirely um, Shrek the movie VHS tapes? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> A cursed object. This guy, this guy collects, collects VHS tapes of Shrek. When he finds them at thrift store, I'm sure there's so many. They're everywhere. Yeah, it was one of the last movies before the DVD. Right. DVD era. That's funny. You know, I've mm-hmm. never seen Shrek. Good. That's good. Yeah, none of them. I've seen clips of them. They'll be playing like the bank or something, but I've never seen a Shrek movie all the way through. So I know none of the Shrek references except that like he's a funny looking guy and he has a donkey friend or something. Yep, those are both right. I feel like you would know a lot more. Probably. If you like thought about it. What's what's the song that plays at the end of the Shrek movie? Or one of the Shrek movies? Um, Is it Everybody Dance Now? No, that was no. the Night at the Museum movie. Yeah. Um, I feel like if you said it, I would know. It's not... It's not... Um, All-Star. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. It's All-Star. Um, I can't remember other Shrek. What is Donkey going to make when they go back to the house for breakfast? I'm making... Oh, wow. Donuts? Nope. Bacon? I feel like you're pretending not to know. So you I, have to I legitimately don't making know. making waffles. Oh, no, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, good I, so the other things I remember is that there's like a princess who's like a human but also an ogre. Yes, right. I think her name's Fiona. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a dorky rich guy named Lord Farquaad. Right. And then there's also this gingerbread cookie. Yes. And those are the main characters as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Do you know how long it took me to figure out why they called him Lord Farquaad? 
I, no. Like a really long time, like my entire childhood. And then Ooh. someone was like, get it. And then I got it. I get what? Oh, it sounds like another word. Mm, gotcha. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, before we wrap up, I just had a couple of thoughts about having kids, okay. <laughs> which is something that I learned from both Rory, but especially learned from Joseph is um, when I was pregnant with Rory, I read a lot of birth stories because I'm a little bit of a birth story nerd, I guess. Not super nerdy, but I just really like reading them. And one common theme across all of them was this idea that no matter how difficult or um, painful the birth, the the labor was, immediately after birth, there's this like rush of love and your baby's placed on your chest and you just connect with them and it's the most wonderful moment that you've ever experienced. And I was really excited for that. And then Rory was a C-section and it didn't quite work like that. And for a few weeks after Rory was born... um, I sort of felt like he was someone else's kid that I was just watching for a while and almost like waiting for his real parents to turn up. And that feeling was really not fun. I really, really did, didn't like that. But it went away, especially as he he got older and developed a personality and started talking back to us and showing us more about what he liked and, and we bonded more and... Um, Eventually, I know one day I sort of woke up and realized I hadn't felt like that for a long time and that Rory was my kid and he was always going to be my kid and there was just nothing like that relationship. Um, So going into Joseph's birth, I was prepared that, you know, for me and I talked to some other moms, not everybody has that immediate moment of falling in love with their baby and um, that it might take some time to bond. And then Joseph's birth was even more traumatic in Rory's in some ways because Joseph was in the NICU for a while and I had to recover from the C-section, so Kyle was the one with Joseph for a lot of um, the NICU stay and Joseph actually bonded to Kyle more than he did to me, which is okay. I was so, so grateful that Kyle could be there for him. Um, But it did mean that, that, that bonding with Joseph was especially tough and for a long time... Uh it was difficult to know that the way I I felt about Rory just didn't seem at all the same as I felt about Joseph. Um, That I I had my son, my beloved, the light of my life, Rory, and this other baby that we were taking care of. And maybe that was a little bit of an undiagnosed postpartum depression or something like that. I I don't mean to use that lightly, but it was a rough, it was a rough way to feel for several months, being kind of numb from the trauma of the C-section and, and of Joseph having been in the NICU and just a, a logistically and emotionally stressful time for our family. Um, but a year, a whole year later from all that, Joseph himself has developed into just the most wonderful little kid. I cannot imagine my life without him. And we we feel so complete as a family of four, so tied together. We love him just as much as we love Rory in a different way because they're different people but it it feels so good to be on the other side of that a year later and and to know that you know we we hope for more kids in the future someday maybe their births will be easier and maybe they're they'll be harder but that um I guess that it, that it all passes and that all of it is bricks building up that relationship that one day you'll 
you'll wake up and you'll feel that way. And so I guess what I really want to say is that be prepared if you're about to have your first kid that you might not feel the way you think you're supposed to feel in the first moment, the first hour, the first days, or even months, but that it'll happen and that you're still a good parent and that your kid is going to love you and they're going to be an amazing person and you're going to be so excited that you get to be their parent. I had, I didn't quite have the same experience, which sort of makes sense because I also didn't go through something super traumatic when they were born. I felt that sort of, like, I, I felt like I loved them as much the moment they were born as I do now. Uh, one thing that I did notice, especially with Rory, was that they aren't very fun for the first three or so <laughs> months. Don't really do much. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of a bummer. And then sort of the same way, once they started doing interesting stuff, I sort of went, oh, okay, so, you know. Mm-hmm we can actually hang out and communicate back and forth. Yeah. And I, I think it's just like any relationship with any other person, your relationship with your own kid is something that grows and blossoms and um, evolves over time. And that's something that I think it's important for parents to know. And I think it's something that's important for everybody to know that, you know, that relationships look different. Yeah. Look different at different times. Definitely. I mean, maybe it's just me, but in some of the lowest lows of having just two such small kids and, and this infant under the age of one over the past year, it it just feels like life is going to be that hard forever. And and looking back, it feels like the whole last year has just been like no time at all. And I know it's my brain playing a trick on me because I can think back to so many times when it felt like life was moving so slowly and everything was so hard. Um, and right now it's like, well, that was all easy. I'd totally do that again. <laughs> I, I do, I do want to say just so people don't have the wrong idea, I guess, that we had a lot of good memories and we weren't always stressed out and we were generally okay, never desperate, really. Mm-hmm. And the past couple months especially have been much calmer, more controlled, Yeah, I think more relaxing months. Kids get better as they get older. There's no getting around it. Right, until you hit 13 or something like that, I've heard. I think teenagers are good if you know what you're doing. I hope you know what you're doing. I'll I, 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 do, I do not. My main philosophy with teenagers is to trust them and treat them like people. And I feel like, I feel like that really helps. I feel like the main problems with teenagers are thinking there are problems with teenagers. I feel like that's a good mentality. All that said, I can't get it out of my head that I have exactly 10 years to figure out how to delete the entire internet. Oh yeah, no, the boys are never allowed to use the internet. See, that could be a problem. (laughs) So I'm working on, I'm working on a solution for that and then we'll go with all the other stuff you said too. Mm -hmm. So. All right, well, that that was, was, that was a lot. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) And thank you for doing such an amazing job being a parent for those two because you've done an amazing, amazing job. Hey, thanks you too. You've done a whole lot this year. And to reward you all, we are now going to play a clip of Rory saying, In this economy. In this economy. Say it loud. This economy. (laughs) (laughs) Say, In this economy. In this economy.